What valuable lesson did you learn in 2022? Welcome to episode 398 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Anna, Daniel, Stephen, Cindy, Mary, Linda, Diane, and Anonymous. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you again. Anna, Daniel, Stephen, Cindy, Mary, Linda, Diane, and Anonymous for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand, as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show, we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer. I am your host today. In January of 2023, I sent out an email to the email list, and I think also announced it in a podcast episode that I was looking for your shares on the topic of what valuable lesson did I learn in 2022. It has taken me mm, almost six months to actually put the episode together. I apologize for that, but here we go. Mary sent us a voice memo. Hi, Spencer. This is Mary P. from Ohio, and I'm calling in to talk about a valuable lesson that I'm learning and I learned in 2022. My valuable lesson is when something goes awry in a relationship, don't rush in and try to fix it. And what happened was about 10 months ago, I had a sister that got upset with me because my plans to see her weren't working out the way she wanted them to. And she started texting me this mean text. And I jumped in. I jumped in and we had a text fight for about a day. And I wanted just to rush in and fix this and smooth this over. And I wanted to do the Jade thing, which is justify, argue, defend, explain. I was doing all of that. And in the meantime of just trying to smooth this relationship over, I really sacrificed myself. We did get it smoothed over. She never did apologize for the mean, awful thing she said to me. So then fast forward about five months later, our 96-year-old mother passed away. And another sister had made a comment to her and that sent her off. It triggered her sent her off wheeling sideways, and she ended up sending mean texts to all of us and really complaining about me. I This time, I said, I am not going to pick up the rope. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to jump in and text and start defending myself. So I waited about 36 hours before I answered her text, and I carefully and prayerfully wrote out a text and saying, I'm willing to look at my part, which is total program. It's total of our program. I'm willing to look at my part in this, but I will not. I set a boundary with her. I said, I will not try to work this out through texting. I said, if you want to call me, we can work it out. She said, okay. And I've never, I haven't heard from her. But the cool thing is I heard from my higher power from three different books, three different readings. And it's, he said to me, wait, I was just blown away by that. And I was grateful for that. And it really gave me strength. And it really made me realize that waiting is a powerful tool and that something is maybe working out in me 
maybe working out in her. Something can be being worked out as I wait. And, and while I wait, I can practice gratitude. I can practice acceptance and I can live my life and I can focus on the relationships and maybe deepen some of the relationships that I didn't have time for because I spent every day talking to her. So just such a beautiful thing, not picking up the rope, not jumping in and trying to fix it, rush in and trying to fix it. Just hearing from my higher power was huge. And I'm just grateful for this program. And I'm still learning. I'm sure I'll get another chance to get another test at this lesson, but not to rush in and fix things and to wait and to step back and not pick up the rope. Very, very grateful for it. Thank you, Spencer. I'm grateful for my Al-Anon program. I have a meeting that I go to in the every morning at 7.30, and I'm just grateful for it. So much great recovery. And your show has really encouraged me. So much beautiful recovery that we can learn from each other. Thank you, Spencer, for all the work you do. And Happy New Year. Have a great 2023. Thank you, Mary, for that sharing. Tova wrote, Hi, Spencer. First of all, as always, thank you for producing your podcast. I live one and a half hours each way from the closest meeting, and as a mother of several very young children, I can't always make it. Your podcast is what helps tide me over in the weeks-long gaps I have between in-person meetings. I just listened to episode 391, The Power of Stories, and you ask us to share our stories and also shared how you take this time to reflect on the past year and what you'd like to see in recovery for the next year. I qualify for several Anon programs as I'm the only one in my family of origin and in the family I've chosen to create who is not an addict, children excluded, so far. I've had a lot of recovery this year, but one particular experience literally is coming full circle for me as I write this. I practice the 12 steps in my family life, but like many other program members, I find that working the program comes up again and again in my work life. 364 days ago, my higher power presented me with a unique opportunity to practice these principles in all of my affairs, including at work, as I'll get to in a minute. I'll backtrack a little bit. I'm in a niche and high-stress industry where there is pressure to be on and producing more and more work, more or less 24-7. In early 2021, I realized suddenly that I could not continue working in the specific company I was in, especially not with a newborn at home, and that I'd need to switch sooner rather than later for the benefit of my own spiritual and mental health. I was working long days and struggling to set boundaries with my boss, who seemed to push me way past my limits in terms of mental output and expectations. I talked it out with my sponsor, received her blessing, and before I even had the chance to begin looking seriously at open opportunities, a headhunter contacted me. To shorten a very long story, after a few months, I managed to close what seemed like an opportunity only God could have provided me. Another role in this super niche space with normal work hours and a raise, and I didn't have to actively look for it. I felt like I had been given the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card. All this changed 364 days ago when, surprise, out of the tens of thousands of high-tech companies out there, my current company not only hired my old boss from my old job, but also my entire former team, everyone. And I'm in a completely different country than all of them are. Suddenly, I was exactly where I had been a year ago, and I was sure that my former, now current boss would be out to get me, since I had left in a hurry the year before. I also had just received feedback from my outgoing boss that mirrored what I had been told in the past, even though I had been sure I was doing everything differently. 
I was also 99% sure I would be fired for it once my old boss found out. At first I panicked, but then I called my sponsor, made some more phone calls, did some journaling, did a lot of praying, and gave myself time to meditate. I struggle with the idea of a higher power sometimes, but this situation was so crazy that I was sure I had to be in it for a reason. I received what I guess one would call a spiritual awakening when it dawned on me that this was an opportunity for me to make amends, not just to my old boss or to my old team, but to myself. I had three kids under six. I had to respect myself by politely setting boundaries this time around. I reflected that getting the same feedback at two companies from two very different people means that I have the problem, not them. And I admitted powerlessness over my character defects at work, most of which led back to my own low self-esteem. My old-slash-new boss visited our overseas office shortly after I worked this all out within myself, and I apologized and we agreed to start on a completely clean slate. I admitted outright that I made mistakes, that I don't know how to do everything, and agreed to be more open to guidance and to being teachable. I made a firm decision to trust and follow her direction, even if I didn't think it was what I should be doing. It was terrifying. It's been a long year this year, but a great one. Tomorrow is her first work anniversary at my new company. We've developed a real mentor-mentee relationship. Most importantly, I have more job security than I have ever had in my life before. Not only have I been promised a promotion, a few levels up too, but she's also committed to take me with her to her next venture. And I did it by focusing on each task at hand, one task at a time, one day at a time, and learning to trust. Thank you, higher power. Happy 2023. Tova D. Well, thank you, Tova, for sharing how you were able to use the principles of our program to make real change in your life. For the better, it seems. So, yay. Mary says, my valuable lesson for 2022. It begins with me. After four years in Al-Anon, I can honestly say I am in recovery. I came to Al-Anon in total despair, saying over and over, why me? The meetings, the literature, the steps, and your recovery show have taken me to a new place. I use the past as experience not to be repeated. I live in the present and hope for a better future. Your recovery show played a major role in transforming the way I handle myself, relationships, making changes free of worry, fear, and doubt. Happy New Year, Mary. Thanks, Mary. It begins with me. That is one of our slogans and a valuable lesson. Yeah. Okay. And now we come around to me. For me, 2022 was a year in which I was, again, probably confronted with my limitations. I was challenged in almost all areas of my life. There were a number of events that happened that sort of brought my limitations to the front showed me where I have boundaries or I need boundaries, perhaps. My son's marriage was not a good one. It was also not a long one. And I'm grateful to Al-Anon for teaching me where I can and can't help, that I can't fix his marriage, which is over now. But I also can't say I told you so, even though I thought at the beginning it was a mistake. To me, having a good 
connection, a good relationship with my son is a lot more important than me crowing about how I was right. And I use that word deliberately. One of the huge things in 2022 was dealing with the results of my parents' deaths in 2021. And a big part of that was clearing out their house because none of us were going to live in it and we needed to sell it. There was so much stuff. It made me tired just to look at it. And we had to deal with all of it. I have so much gratitude to my brother and sister who lived nearby and were able to deal with a lot of it. I had a two-week trip in the spring and another one-week trip in the summer. And my plan, uh, plan for the two-week trip in the spring was I was going to digitize all of the photographs that he had taken over the years. And I actually didn't count them, but I believe there were literally tens of thousands of photographs that he had taken over a period of at least 70 years. Yeah, tens of thousands. And some of them didn't need to be preserved, but a lot of them did. And there's decision fatigue there and going through, you know, photographs from my childhood, from one year, and deciding which ones I wanted to scan and which ones were redundant or not interesting or not worth saving. I did not digitize tens of thousands of photographs in the space of two weeks. I just didn't. Yeah, that was the reality. We still have, I still have boxes of photographs here, and my brother has boxes of photographs that still need to be scanned so that we can preserve them. And then also, that was my plan. That was not necessarily my siblings' plan of what they wanted me to do while I was there. There was also some of that. That, that needed to happen and that what I want, what I think I can do, what I want to do, what I might plan to do runs into reality in many ways. And I needed to accept those limits. I needed to accept that I wasn't going to spend all my days scanning photos. And even if I had, I wouldn't have gotten them all because there were other things that needed to be done that I needed to help with. Another struggle for me, another place where I faced limitations in 2022 and continuing into 2023 is keeping this podcast going on a regular basis. If you listen back to some of the episodes last year and this year, you'll hear me saying, yeah, I'm trying to get back to a regular schedule maybe every couple of weeks, not back to weekly like I had at the beginning. The reality is that I need to budget my energy and my time and I don't do a very good job of that, and sometimes I spend too much time on things that don't really need that time. And then I don't have time and energy left over for things that are important, like doing the podcast. One of the things that happened in the middle of 2022 was I was asked to be one of a group of advisors for the high school youth group at my church. And I had done this in the past, and I had stopped doing that in the past when I was starting to burn out. I was asked to come back to it, and I felt like I 
probably really didn't have the time and the energy. But at the same time, it is something that I can do, that I enjoy doing, that I think I'm good at. And there was a need. There was a real need. And so I stepped in, I stepped up, and it took, okay, story of my life here, it took more time than I had anticipated. Yeah, no kidding. But I did get value from it. Sometimes I found myself fitting it into my life. Sometimes I found myself feeling a little bit resentful at the demands of this thing that I had volunteered for. Okay. And I also made some new friends in the advisor group and also with the youth, some of whom I had known when I was teaching seventh grade a few years ago. Now they're in high school. How about that? And reconnecting, yeah, reconnecting with old friends and making new friends. I think on balance it was a positive experience, but it did make me, again, face my limits. What can I do? And to be upfront and honest when I really couldn't do things. Can you come for eight hours on this Saturday afternoon? No, I can't, but I can come for six hours from five to 11. And that means that somebody who came early got to go home early, which they wanted to do. Balance is good. Another place where I'm facing limitations, understanding my limits, is in planning for retirement at work. And this process started last year and handing over leadership of the team that I had been the leader of for, what, seven or eight years, I think. Letting go, there's lots of letting go, letting the new guy do his thing and letting him do it in the way he wants to do it, which is not always the way that I would have done it. I have to let go of that. And figuring out what am I doing between the time that I handed over that leadership and the time that I actually retire. And there are a couple things I'm doing there. And I am working really hard to stay within the bounds of the things that I need to get done before I retire and not trying to pick up all of the things that used to be mine because they're not anymore. Planning for retirement in the middle of recession is scary. We go to these retirement finance seminars and they're like, yeah, don't spend your money when the price of money is down. Like, wait a minute, what does that mean? When my investments are bringing in less income, like whatever I spend is more expensive. And you don't want to do that at the beginning, okay? At the beginning, you want to have a nice, robust economy so you can continue building for the later years, whatever, okay? So limitations there, things that maybe we had planned to do that we're not going to do or that we're going to put off. Yeah, so that's just... A whole bunch of things that really brought me up against what do I have the capacity for and what don't I have the capacity for? What is mine to do and what is not mine to do? And it's all about, really all about limitations and living within those limitations. And when I come to retirement, I'm going to have a new limitation, which is that's fixed income. I have a pot of money and that's what I have to live on for the rest of my life. That's a little scary, isn't it?
So that will continue. What did I learn from this? What did I learn from this? I can only do what I can do, and my expectations are often bigger than that. I need to accept what is and be content with it because it is okay. It may not be what I want, but it is okay. 2022 had a lot of learning in it for me, too. So this is episode 398. I have already recorded episode 399, and you know what that means? The next one is 400, which is a milestone. My friend and yours, Eric B., suggested the topic of milestones for that milestone episode. So I'm asking you, what do you identify as a significant event or turning point in your travels on the road to recovery? Have you experienced a breakthrough, an achievement like completion of a difficult task or step, ninth step, maybe? Have you experienced a miracle, a higher power or spiritual awakening moment? Those are all milestones. And we welcome your contribution. Join our conversation, leave us a voicemail, or send us an email with your feedback or questions. Actually, I'm going to change this up. My preferred way these days to receive your voice is if you use your smartphone, assuming you have one, if you don't, skip this part, use your smartphone to record a voice memo and then email it to feedback at therecovery.show which is also where you would send a text email. You can leave a voicemail from your phone at 734-707-8795. If you're outside the U.S., that would be plus one, 734-707-8795. And if you'd like advance notice so that you can contribute to a topic, you can sign up for our mailing list by sending an email to feedback at therecovery.show. Please put email in the subject line to make it easier to spot. Our website is therecovery.show. All the information about the show is there. There's notes for each episode. This episode will be at therecovery.show slash 398. You can also listen to the podcast there on the website. I've got some other feedback that doesn't relate to learnings in 2022, so let's dive in here. Amy wrote, Hi Spencer, I thought of another topic that might be inspiring to our listeners. Finding your strength and courage when hitting bottom. And she capitalizes the whole thing. Finding your strength and courage when hitting bottom. She continues, It was during my hitting bottom in my codependency that I found my strength and courage to make changes in the direction of my life at that moment and to face the major challenges that came my way after that experience. Once I felt that strength empower me, I understood that I always had it in me. My courage and strength only grew stronger from that realization and self-awareness. This topic would add clarity to the statement, sharing experience, strength, and hope. Amy W. Amy was my guest for episode 395, which was titled The Relationship Between Mother and Son. So thank you for that idea, Amy. I think it's a great one. And maybe we can get some nice contributions from the listeners. Omar wrote, 
Hey, Spencer, just left you a five-star review because Boundaries Revisited was amazing. I appreciate how you explored the concept of boundaries and how to set them in a meaningful way. Your insight into the two types of boundaries, self-containment and self-protection, was very helpful and insightful. And I just want to note here, that was my guest, Barb N., who really had those terms, but they make a whole lot of sense to me, too. Thank you, Omar, for those kind words. Donna writes, thank you for the service you offer the community through the Recovery Show podcast. I came initially for your S Anon episode, and I stayed for your heart and dedication to the cause of healing and serenity. I'm a fairly new member of S Anon, but my first 49 years have been shaped by my experiences with family members experiencing sexaholism and addictions of many types. I have a long way to go in this process, which is the work of a lifetime. The next 50 years, God willing, are going to be awesome. I started listening back at the first episodes and I'm working my way through them at the rate of five to six a week. What a blessing I receive every time I listen. All of you who give their time to this work are in my prayers and have my gratitude for the experience, strength, and hope that you share. I identify with each of you a little more each week. You make me laugh and cry. Your fan and friend in recovery, Donna Z. Thanks, Donna. Maureen left us a voicemail. Hi, Spencer. This is Maureen calling. I just want to thank you so much for your service and what you do. It's an amazing gift that you have. I love your soothing voice. Whenever I see you, I picture Chris, the disc jockey from Northern Exposure. I love the episode that you did with Mary about diversity in Al-Anon. It was helpful to me because I have a coworker from Korea who is looking for Korean languages meetings and Korean literature. We haven't been able to find any yet, but at least I had that email that I can send an email and hopefully find somebody. I also love the episode on the inner child. I think that's really important for us in our healing and the one on siblings because it was a sibling that brought me here. And if you wanted to do another episode on siblings, I would be happy to host it with you. So thanks so much for your service. And I look forward to hearing more about the recovery show. I always recommend it on Facebook and the Al-Anon groups that I belong to. God bless you and take care. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for those comments on episodes and for recommending us on Facebook. If you want to share the recovery show with your friends, just send them to our website, therecovery.show. Or you can find us in your pod app, whatever that might be. Brenda commented on episode 336, which was titled Irritable and Unreasonable. She writes, I really needed this today. Started off the day angry and irritable and immediately logged on to find a podcast on your site. Found this one and it is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you and thank my higher power. Please don't stop these wonderful podcasts. I have learned so much and gained so much peace by listening to them, especially when I cannot attend a meeting. Thanks, Brenda. And I have no intention of stopping, but as you heard, I have struggled with consistency in in a publishing schedule recently. But you also point out that there are 397 previous episodes that might address something that you're struggling with, as you found might address a problem that someone is struggling with right now. Matt 
sent us a note. Hi, Spencer. A couple of weeks ago, my partner finally agreed to go to residential treatment. Me and her father drove her to a facility in Pennsylvania recommended by her probation officer. I watched her walk into detox. This came after five years of off-and-on sobriety, two aggravated DUIs, two cars totaled, one conviction for felony DUI, resulting in three years felony probation, three jobs in a row lost to drinking on the job, and countless days and nights of chaos, turmoil, anxiety, and anger. The last straw for me was this. My elderly mother passed away very suddenly from a heart attack, followed by my father passing away ten days later. My partner reacted to this by going off the rails, getting drunk, and disappearing the night before my mother's funeral, and then getting fired from her job for being drunk at work. That was the last straw, and I told her parents she either had to go to treatment or I would kick her out of the house. I'm glad that she went to treatment, but I'm also very much aware that this is only a first step, and I feel strongly that 28 days is not nearly enough given the seriousness of her addiction. I am attending meetings and doing my best to practice loving detachment and take care of my own needs, even if that means ending the relationship now and not letting her back in the house when she leaves treatment in a couple of weeks. But boy, is it hard, especially going through all of this as I'm grieving the loss of both parents. Thank you for everything you do. Your voice and those of your guests have been an essential guide and support in this difficult time and throughout my struggle with my partner's addiction. Thanks, Matt. I don't know what's the right length of time for treatment. My wife went through several different levels of treatment for different lengths of time, including one where she was four months or five months, I don't remember now, in a residential program. And then the next year, maybe a couple years later, a different residential program that she was in for a couple of months. I think for her, it just took time. It took more time than certainly we could afford to pay for in a treatment program. But it took time for her to come to the point where she was ready. I don't know. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. Yeah. Renee commented on episode 370, Gentleness with Myself, which I did with Anna. Hi, Spencer. My name is Renee, and I listen to your show daily. You have been and continue to be a blessing in my life. When I was listening to Anna reciting the St. Francis of Assisi prayer, I was reminded of this song and wanted to share. I think Anna would enjoy this, and I hope you and listeners will also. There's a YouTube link to Olivia Newton-John singing slash reciting that prayer. So I'll put that in the show notes at therecovery.show slash 398. Anonymous wrote, There's something that's been weighing on me for a while now, and I would love to hear what others think. This is the topic of drinking when your significant other is in recovery. I'm not a heavy drinker, but I do occasionally like to have a glass of wine or beer. It's very situational for me. A beer while I'm sitting on the beach a glass of red wine with my steak, maybe a margarita if we go out to a Mexican restaurant. My spouse has had problems with drinking off and on throughout our marriage, but the big incidents were few and far between until the pandemic. He started drinking much more frequently when he didn't have anywhere to go. We had many conversations about it, and my concerns were always brushed under the rug. When my spouse was drinking heavily, nothing stopped him. 
I would take the car keys and there would be absolutely no alcohol in the house, but he would bike miles to get his fix. After two benders and stints in rehab in quick succession, he's coming up on his one-year anniversary of sobriety. He has said that it doesn't bother him or trigger him for me to drink in front of him. To that point, he rarely drank in front of me when he was at the peak of his alcoholism. He has never enjoyed drinking a glass of wine with a meal. He just pounded a bottle in the half hour before he went to bed. I'm proud of the work that he's done, and I realize that I need to do a lot more work myself. One of the things that I'm not at peace with is the thought that I should alter my life because of his poor choices. It feels like a punishment, and I feel like I've already sacrificed a lot. While he provides financial support for the family, I've shouldered the burden of all other types of support. I've changed a lot as the result of his problems and not in a good way. I was always a half-glass-full type of person and rarely felt any anxiety. Now I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop and running through scenarios in my head. I know I'm not an alcoholic or even a problem drinker. The little voice inside my head tells me that I must not be committed to the marriage if I'm not willing to give up having any alcohol in the house to support him. But then I wrestle with that thought as well. If I wasn't committed, would I still be here? If he was a diabetic who had cravings for baked goods, would I be willing to give up baking at home for the rest of my life? And vice versa, what would he be willing to give up for me, if anything? On the one hand, I feel like I ought to do everything possible to help support him in his journey. On the other hand, I know that nothing I do or don't do will make a difference if he really wants to drink. I'm torn between the two. I would be interested to hear how others handle this situation and what their thoughts are. Thank you, Anonymous, for posing that question. It is certainly one that that I have faced myself. At the beginning, when my wife finally chose long-term sobriety, and of course I didn't know at the time how long-term it was going to be, she asked me to help her by not having any alcohol in the house. And I was willing to do that because I would like her to stay sober. And at the beginning, when everything was crispy, I didn't want to feel that I might have been the trigger for her picking back up. I think that's part of it. And part of it is that she asked me, and I said, yes, and all right then. Over the years, it was a gradual process of it's okay for me to have a beer when we're out for dinner. At one point, we were with my family celebrating my mother's 80th birthday. We went out to a restaurant, and other people in the family ordered wine, and she was less comfortable with that. It was okay, I guess. And then lately, really when the pandemic came and I couldn't go out, I had basically gone out. I would go listen to music at a brew pub and have my beers and not bringing them home. And when the pandemic came and that all came to a screeching halt, then she said, I think it's okay for you to have beers in the house. And so it's been a gradual process. I think she would be extremely uncomfortable if I was having wine in the house. I haven't asked her, but I think I heard her say something about that recently. Each of us has to make our own decision about how to deal with that, I think what we're comfortable with, what we're not comfortable with. Yeah. River writes, Hi, Spencer. I have been an active listener for several years, and I want to thank you and your co-hosts for all your shares and service. I'm writing about episode 356, Domestic Violence and Other Unacceptable Behavior. This episode really spoke to me because I am a survivor of domestic violence and an Al-Anon, an adult child who is always 
gravitated towards alcoholics and other compulsive personalities, as discussed in the ACA literature. Unfortunately, some of the worst and most abusive things my qualifier ever did to me were done while he was not only sober, but while he was actively working the 12 steps with a sponsor in AA. My qualifier would lie, cheat, gaslight, and belittle me, and then blame it on alcoholism. I developed severe anxiety and walked on eggshells around him, never knowing what would set him off. If I said anything about it, he would dismiss my concerns by saying, all alcoholics are selfish, self-centered, and egotistical, and he didn't have a choice. He would frequently tell me that I needed Al-Anon because Al-Anons are needy, insecure, and controlling, and that's why I initially joined Al-Anon. I thought that I was crazy and codependent, and if I just got help in Al-Anon, our problems would end. However, I'm so glad that I did. I always say that I joined Al-Anon and ACA for him, but I stayed for myself. I just received my six-year chip in ACA. A little smiley face. Yeah. Something to smile about. Through working the steps, I learned that while I was indeed a codependent, everything wasn't my fault. I learned that there is a difference between trust and expectations. Trust is when someone gives you an assurance they will do something versus an expectation is when they do not. I learned that not everything my qualifier said was true. For example, just because my qualifier said I was a bad listener didn't mean I really was a bad listener. In fact, when I did my resentment list on my qualifier, I learned that my part in some of the resentments was believing that I deserved the abuse or that the mean things he said about me were true. And little by little, I began to wake up and see who I really was. I came to realize that I also needed outside help and started marriage counseling and individual therapy while working my program. In our sessions, I learned that my qualifier had a psychiatric disorder in addition to suffering from the disease of alcoholism and was using the steps of AA in a sick, emotionally abusive way towards me. Sadly, he refused to get treatment for his illness and the abuse got worse until we separated and eventually divorced. I read somewhere once that we can't control the people around us, but we can control who the people that are around us are. I'm going to say that again. I like that. We can't control the people around us, but we can control who the people that are around us are. That was me repeating it, Spencer, here. I am now over one year out of my relationship with my qualifier and feel better than ever. It was a scary process being alone, but being away from constant abuse allowed me to heal, and each day I was away from him, I gained more courage, strength, and hope. The only thing that's been missing has been my meeting attendance. After we separated, I could not bring myself to attend meetings for a long time. My therapist and I determined that I no longer felt safe in meetings to be vulnerable and share. It was very awkward because my friends in Al-Anon were also his friends, or their spouses were his friends, and even though it is an anonymous program, I didn't feel safe sharing around them, especially while we had a legal case pending relating to the abuse. But I kept in touch with my sponsor, who encouraged me to do what feels like the next right thing for me, and to not beat myself up for not going to meetings. I also listened to your podcast, read program literature journaled in my gratitude list. I now feel I have healed enough to go back to meetings, and have started attending them online. I'm not quite ready for in-person meetings yet, and even when I do, I've decided that I will seek out new ones, instead of going back to my old groups, so I can feel safe and have a fresh start. Anyway, I wanted to share my experience, strength, and hope here, even though I realize some of this is a bit taboo in case it might help another listener, just as others' shares have helped me. Thank you again for your service, River. River, thank you. That is so raw and so honest. 
I really appreciate it. And I know that there is somebody listening right now for whom those words, your words, are a lifeline. So thank you for stepping. I really appreciate it. I want to say thank you to Mary Allen, Senior from Copenhagen, Denmark, and others who sent their thanks or left a review on Apple Podcasts. You help me to keep on going by letting me know that I am delivering real value to real people. So thank you. And I just want to highlight one review. I just loved this. This person wrote, I often fall asleep to this podcast. This is not because it's boring, but Spencer's voice is very soothing, and hearing him and his guests talk about topics that can be taboo is such a relief and helps me feel safe and heard without even having to speak. It gives me serenity and puts me in a better space to rest. Wow. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.